We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Top Dogs Podcast here on the Field of 68 Media Network. And we have a couple things we have to talk about. UConn on Friday night went into the fog, went into Fog Island Fieldhouse, and they lost to uh, then number five Kansas, who will probably be higher ranked once this podcast actually comes out. Final score was 69 to 65. Um, I thought UConn actually played pretty well given the circumstances um they didn't make shots kansas made a lot of shots sometimes that's the way that it goes uh we're going to talk all about that i got about 15 or 20 minutes here prepared breaking down that game i don't want to spend too much time on it because it's time to move forward and uh if you can go into fall gallon Fieldhouse and have a shot to take the lead with eight seconds left despite being down by 12 earlier in the game i don't think that there's really any way for you to be that upset about it uh, but there's some things that we can talk about, and those are things that I think UConn can improve on. Uh, we're also going to spin this forward a little bit. We're going to look at North Carolina. UConn is playing them in the Jimmy V Classic. That tip-off will probably be around 9 o'clock on, uh, on Tuesday evening uh, from Madison Square Garden, from Store South, from UConn's third home arena. So hopefully it'll be loud, hopefully it'll be packed, and hopefully UConn fans are going to show out for that. Um, before we do, please... As always, rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. Uh, that is the best way to support um, support us, support the Field of 68, support me if you do enjoy uh, what we are doing here and the content you're getting for free. Like, rate, review, subscribe, leave a comment, leave a review, do all of those things that make me happy as a podcaster. Um, all right, let's get into the game first and foremost. Uh, the single biggest takeaway, and I don't know how anybody could take away anything other than this, is that Tristan Newton was utterly immense he had one of the single best performances i think we've seen all season long when you can go into fog allen field house and you got to deal with three absolute killers defensively dewan harris kevin mccullough kj adams so those dudes are absolute killers on the defensive end of the floor and you can put up 31 points on 10 for 18 shooting and you can shoot six for nine from three and you can make some of the shots that he made 
I don't know how you could say anything else. Uh, Tristan, right now, as of this moment, as of this publication, is averaging 17.5 points, 7.9 boards, 6.3 assists to just 2.5 turnovers per game, 1.6 steals while shooting 46.7% from the floor, 37.5% from three, and 83.7% from the free throw line. The field goal shooting and three-point shooting numbers are career highs. The scoring numbers are the best that he's done outside of the AAC. Assist numbers, career highs. Rebound numbers, career highs. Seal numbers, career highs. The dude is having an unbelievable season. He's having an All-American caliber season, and I don't know at this moment in time if there is a point guard in college basketball that is having a better season than him. Everyone is going to say Tyler Kolek is the best point guard in the Big East. Everyone is going to say guys like that are the best players in college basketball. Find me find me somebody having a better year than Tristan Newton. If Cam Spencer makes that three from the right corner, I know there's a lot of ifs, and we're going to have a lot of ifs, and we're going to have a lot of if Cam Spencer did this, if Alex Carabin made that, if this rotation, the defensive rotation was made. There's going to be a lot of ifs involved in this conversation. But if that shot goes in and UConn wins that game, I think that we are having a conversation about Tristan Newton as a first-team All-American. That's how close it is right now. I don't know if there's a better point guard in college basketball right now than what he's doing. And I don't know if there's been a point guard that had a better performance than what he did on the road against those three defensive players. Um, that's the biggest, the single biggest thing, my single biggest takeaway from uh, the game in the fog, from the game at Kansas on Friday night. The second biggest takeaway that I had is that uh, this showcased more than anything else to me the issues that UConn is going to have as long as Steph Castle is not on the floor. And I think it popped up on both ends. So let's start defensively first. Kevin McCullough finished with uh, 21 points, five boards, hit three big threes down the stretch. To me, it was more the uh, start that he had, the fact that they were able to throw the ball into him in the post, the fact that he was kind of able to overpower a guy like a Tristan Newton, a guy like a Cam Spencer, because he does have about four inches on them. Um Steph Castle is the best defender on this team, the best perimeter defender on this team, the most versatile defender on this team, and the one guy on the UConn roster that has the size and athleticism to be able to deal with the big wings in college basketball. Point blank, period. Not having him hurts. It is what it is. Everybody's going to deal with injuries and, and players missing time. I think that you saw about as much of an effort and as high quality an effort and as applaudable of an effort from everybody else that stepped up in that void. But it is what it is. He's 6'6". He's 220 pounds. He's tough. He's athletic. And as good as solo ball is, as much as I like Cam Spencer, as good as Tristan Newton was, they are just not the same size and not the same defender that Steph Castle is. So uh, not having him there is a matchup that Kansas was able to take advantage of, and they quite clearly did. The other part of it is it, it goes to what Kansas did defensively. And so I want to have a conversation about that first and foremost. So the Jayhawks switched everything one through four, switched all exchanges, which means any time that Tristan Newton or Alex Caravan set a screen for each other, ran by each other, rotated past each other, the the guy they would uh, the Kansas defenders would switch. Same thing, Tristan Newton to Cam Spencer. Same thing, um, Cam Spencer uh, to Solo Ball. Anyone, any exchange that did not involve Samson Johnson or Donovan Klingon at the five that did not involve Hunter Dickinson, Kansas just switched. They they basically said, we think KJ Adams can guard point guards and we think Dewan Harris can guard Alex Carabin and we're going to make you beat us one-on-one as opposed to allowing you to get offense out of the sets that you run. That is why you switch defensively. That is why you play that style. That is why you do what Kansas did on that end of the floor. It takes you out of the ability to get offense running sets. 
more or less. And if you know anything about UConn, know anything about how uh, Dan Hurley coaches, so much of what they do comes via the offense that they run, the false motion, getting into an action, the counters to that action, the counters to the counters. Um, UConn has as in-depth and it is an advance of a playbook as anybody is going to have in college basketball. And their offensive execution, uh, the majority of the time, is, is what is able to get them so many good looks from the floor. So many open looks, so many opportunities for Tristan Newton coming off a dribble handoff and throwing a lob up to Donovan Klingon. Cam Spencer coming off of a ball screen, throwing a lob to Sam Johnson. So much of what that, Samson Johnson, sorry, so much of what they do offensively comes out of what is schemed by Danny Hurley. And when you switch everything, especially switching everything one through four, it takes so much of that away. And what it does is it forces you to try to beat people one-on-one and try to make plays one-on-one against mismatches. And the only guy that was really able to do that consistently throughout the game on Friday night was Tristan Newton. And that's because nobody else on this roster is really built to be a one-on-one basketball player, right? Like Cam Spencer. And I feel like I'm going to be hard on Cam Spencer in this, in this podcast. And, um, there's a level of criticism that needs to be levied for somebody that shot two for 12, but at the same point, he had a foot thing coming in. He rolled an ankle, the other ankle during the game. Um, there are going to be nights where shooters don't make shots. That's part of it. Part of what it is. He is a fantastic basketball player. UConn would not have been seven and zero and as dominant as they were at the start of the season. If it was not for him, he had an off night. He was banged up. It is what it is. So I want to make that very clear as we head into the rest of this podcast. I love him. Give him more minutes. Ice up those ankles, get them healthy, because UConn cannot win a national title without Cam Spencer on the floor. All that said, Cam Spencer's not a guy, especially when he's banged up, that is going to beat people one-on-one. It's just not what he does. It's not his game. That's not how he plays. You don't put him on an island and say, go get us a bucket and and expect him to be able to do that, right? So if you're Bill Self, the best way to take away what makes Cam Spencer so effective is to put him in those situations where he has to play one-on-one. I think you could say the same thing about Alex Carabin. Um, he's a little bit better. He should have been able to post up guards a little bit more. Uh, I think that he has more shit to him than just being a spot up shooter, but we didn't really see that part of it was because he was in a little bit of foul trouble. Um, but he was another guy that where Kansas basically said, we are okay. If Alex Carriman tries to beat us one-on-one, they are okay. If solo balls tries to beat him one-on-one. So what it kind of came down to was can Tristan Newton make enough plays against that Kansas defense to be able to keep UConn in it? And the answer was a resounding yes. Like I said, he was fucking phenomenal. I don't think we can, after rewatching the tape, I don't think I can overstate just how good he was, just how difficult the shots that he made were, just how tough it was to go up against those defenders. I I mean, look, I'm still, I'm never going to be speechless because I, I, I talk for a living, but I don't think it can be overstated just how damn good he was UConn had nine assists on 23 field goals, which is not something that you expect to see out of a UConn team. And they were a shot away from beating Kansas in Fog Allen Fieldhouse. That's how good Tristan Newton was. We cannot, that cannot be overstated. Um, we saw something similar to this. Uh, I remember it very specifically. It was in the 21 22 season. It was when Providence came into, I believe that game was actually played in the Hartford Civic Center. Um, UConn did not have Adama Sanogo. And Providence switched everything one through five. They were up by like 18 in the second half. UConn made a run. They ended up losing 57 to 53. Uh, a lot of people criticized Dan Hurley for it, but, um, but that was a similar, it was a similar kind of schematic defensive style. 
and uh, it cost UConn because they didn't have the guys to be able to make plays one-on-one. Now, in the second half, I thought that there were some very, very smart adjustments that were made. Um, instead of setting like regular screens and having these regular exchanges, what UConn was doing where they were setting back screens and slipping those back screens. So you would kind of get the same movement within the offense, but instead of like Tristan Newton setting a pin down and having Cam Spencer run off of it, Cam Spencer would go to set the back screen and then just dive and slip the screen. And Tristan Newton would go back to where he was, like he was running off of the ball screen. So you get the guys going in the same motions. It's just a different action to be able to mess with the defense. And one of them led to a wide open Spencer three that he left a little bit short uh, and that was at, I want to say, um, about the 17 minute mark of the second half and the 15 30 mark of the second half, uh, they were able to get a slip for Alex Caravan, who got a wide open layup off of Don- Donovan Klingon back door later on in the second half. They were able to get a Sandiara running off of one of them and Sansom Johnson found him for a layup that made it 52 to 47. So they were able to, to tweak what they did to get offense. That's coaching for the record for for the non UConn fans that still think Dan Hurley sucks at what he does. That's coaching those tweaks. That's coaching. He's pretty smart, be able to figure some of that stuff out. Um, and then the other thing that they did was just run a shitload of false motion. Like there was one play uh, in the second half that gave UConn a fifty to forty seven lead, where they just like ran a weave for what felt like twenty seconds, and then finally it came Cam Spencer coming off of a. DHO with Samson Johnson rolling to the basket. KJ Adams had been switched on to Tristan Newton, and he instinctively goes and tags to try to take away the lob. Everybody's on the left side of the floor. Tristan Newton's wide open, wide open, bangs home a three. UConn takes a three-point lead. That's when they kind of really had things rolling. Um, and then there was, the other one was the, the Samson dunk where – uh, they were just kind of able to get a switch. They got into a Spain pick and roll, which means that Tristan Newton comes off the pick and roll. Samson Johnson uh, is rolling to the basket. Um, whoever was under the rim goes and sets a back screen on the guy guarding Samson Johnson, guarding the roll man. Ball gets thrown up to the rim. Bam, dunks on him. Um, and it just worked. It worked. They were able to get things out of their offense that they weren't able to get earlier in the game. Now, uh, what happened down the stretch was – Kevin McCullough got it loose a couple times, um, knocked home three huge threes. Uh, the first one, he like him and Samson Johnson got tangled up. He was late coming down. There had already been a switch. Uh, so Samson went to go help Cam Spencer, who was in the post against KJ Adams, kicked the ball out, wide open three. McCullough bangs it. Second one, Tristan Newton fell asleep, wasn't really paying attention, couldn't see ball to man. Ball goes to the baseline, gets thrown to Kevin McCuller. Um, Newton doesn't see it. He's late to react, open three from the corner. Third one, the dagger that made it 66 to 60. Uh, UConn was in a 1-3-1. Ball gets dropped off to Kevin McCuller in the corner, and you, he hit a three with two guys running at him. It was a tough. It was contested. UConn got there defensively. That's the shot that you live with. The kid just happened to hit it. Sometimes you just got to tip your cap and applaud him. Uh, for making a big play. There's a reason why these guys are high major division one basketball players playing at top five programs. Sometimes they're just going to make big shots. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Uh, I think that UConn played well enough defensively. Uh, look, I've seen criticism for Donovan Klingon. I thought that he was immense defensively. Um, Hunter Dickinson scored six points that weren't open threes. We told you in the preview that uh, using him as a pick and pop threat was going to be something that happened. Um, it did. He made three of four. He's shooting like 75% on threes. The risk that you take when you play drop like UConn does with Donovan Klingon is that pitch back to the screener. Um, sometimes you're going to make shots. He made three of four. 
It, it just is what it is. That's the shot that you live with. If you're UConn, that's the shot that you want them to take. A contested three, Hunter Dickinson with Donovan Klingon running at him. He made three of them. It is what it is. Uh, he was two for eight um, on post-ups. I thought that part of the reason why UConn was able to make the run after that hot start that Kansas had was that Donovan Klingon, the great wall of Bristol, took away anything in and around the basket. Um, and I, I thought he was very, very good defensively. He's not going to show up in the stats, but he was. Uh, there were two two things that I noted. Um, one was uh, there was a post-up at 58 to 54 where he had old Marco Jackson on him. Look, Donovan Klingon is never going to be a great post-up player this season. That's just not what his game is at this point in his career arc and his development. But when you got... El Marco Jackson on you and you are six feet from the rim. You can't take a fadeaway jump hook. And that ended up being a play where he missed it. The ball got knocked out of bounds. It was actually off of El Marco Jackson, but there was like four minutes left. So they couldn't review it. Kansas got the ball um, and they went down and that was, uh, it eventually was the the three that McCuller hit the next possession. Um, so that gave uh no, I'm sorry. It was uh, Dickinson hit a three at the other end which gave him a 61-54 lead, which is kind of the point when it was like, all right, so I don't know if this is going to happen. Kept off an 11-0 run. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM Sportsbook for this college basketball season. We're going to be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and predictions throughout the college basketball season, and we are going to have special offers for you, the listeners and the viewers on the field of 68, each and every week during the season. If you haven't signed up with BetMGM yet, use the bonus code FIELD. 1500 and you will get up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager on BetMGM Sportsbook. Here's what you got to do. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD1500. Deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets if that bet loses. Just make sure you use the bonus code FIELD1500 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient for me when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly. When crossing state borders, just log into your existing account instead of having to create new accounts in each state that you go to. And most importantly, I got to let you know, we do have some fun stuff coming up for this college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops odds boosts, my personal favorite, parlay odds boosts. So download the BetMGM app today. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Um, the other, the other note that I just had was that, um, you know, I, I, I think that it, it's going to be what it is when you are playing against another seven foot two guy, right? Like Hunter, Dick, what makes Hunter Dickinson great is the shut that so the, the stuff that shows up in a box score. He can score. He's a great rebounder. He's a great three point shooter at this point in his career. Like he is a guy where if you if for Kansas to be able to win, he needs to go and get like 22 and 12, like he did against Kentucky. Um, he finished with 15 and nine against UConn, didn't even play that well. Whereas what makes Donovan Klingon great is stuff that's not going to show up in the box score, right? It is the fact that you can run a ball screen and have Dewan Harris feel like he has an open lane and can't shoot it. That doesn't show up in the box score, but it's the fact that he's seven foot three. And his mere presence in the paint deters you from trying to get a shot off. That's being good defensively. That's him doing what he does. That's being the great wall of Bristol. And uh, and that's just, it's not going to be something that pops up in the box score. So he finished with 8.7 boards, three blocks, two assists. I thought he was, um, he played about like a, probably like a B plus game. Um, there are things that he could have done better, but I, I don't understand the criticism of our, of him right now. He's never going to, he's not. Zach Eady, he's not Adama Sanogo. You got to appreciate him for what he does great. Um, the other part of it is like KJ Adams, man. He's so good. Like, I, I hope people, I hope UConn fans watching that appreciated just how incredible of a performance this was. If you, and, and if you don't know his story, like to recap it real quick, his mom, Yvonne, has been had been battling cancer for years and years and years. And it was a big story. And she was around the program and she was a, po- a positive presence and um knew everybody else on the team kj absolutely loved her she adored uh that program she adored bill self she was uh the kind of parent that had the right mindset she had been a coach back in the day where she she like she wanted her son to be coached hard she wasn't expecting too much um and she passed away uh i think the day before they were supposed to leave for the maui invitational he showed up late he left the day after the game to go to her funeral um and to show up and to have the game that he did which was, I look, I'll, I'll call it what, I think that's one of the best games of his entire life. He he killed UConn in short rolls. Uh, UConn's defense was basically like, all right, we're going to make KJ Adams try to beat us. And you know what he did? He dribbled in and hit about four or five of those little like floaters from about 10, 11 feet. And that was the shot UConn would live with. Live with and he made enough of them. Um, I thought defensively he was utterly fantastic and i'll tell you this much if the kid ends up getting drafted this year which i think he will i think he's going to be a second round pick it will be because of how well he played in games like that he was utterly unbelievable i can't say enough about him he's a great kid 
Um, I can't say enough about him. He was, he was just, he was absolutely fantastic. Um, and that's all I got. I think that's about all I got. Look, Cam Spencer is going to make most of those open shots. Just keep letting him shoot it. Keep letting him fire away. There's a reason why when he, he's got two bum ankles and he's two for 11 from the floor, a play gets drawn up for him to get the uh, a potential game winning three. He's a great shooter. He hits game winners. He's a tough kid, and we want him shooting that shot. Cam, if you're listening to this, keep firing away. Same thing with Alex Caravan. He's in a little bit of a slump right now. He's going to get out of it. He's an NBA player. At some point, those shots are going to start going down, and UConn's going to start rolling. When Steph Castle gets back and makes the offense a little easier, UConn will be rolling. Um, as weird as this sounds, I feel better now about where UConn is after watching them go into Kansas and play like this and come back from a 12-point deficit and have a chance to win the game than I did after the win over Texas, than I did probably after a lot of those non-conference wins. Like, I, this is the point where I'm like, okay, look, yeah, okay, I see it. I get it. I get where all of the UConn fans are like, Rob, you're an idiot for thinking UConn is a is a, is more of a top 10. Than what a, I, I, get, I, I see it. I'm there now. Um, I still think that – there are nine teams in college basketball that are all just as good as each other. Um, and if UConn can do this on the road in that building against this team, they belong in that conversation. Um, all right, let's uh, let's talk real quick about North Carolina and what North Carolina has got a chance to be this season and what this matchup is going to look like. Uh, for people that haven't watched them play yet, Armando Baycott is somehow still on this roster. Um, he's averaging 16-11. The best player on their team so far has been point guard R.J. Davis, uh, who has uh, really embraced kind of being the lead guard now that Caleb Love is, has left and is uh, is at Arizona. Um, they added a kid named Harrison Ingram, who's like the 6'7 wing, played two seasons at Stanford. He was a McDonald's All-American um, before he left. I mean, he's been really shooting the ball well. Uh, he's kind of like a point forward. Um, in the sense that, like, you can use him as a secondary playmaker offensively. Uh, Cormac Ryan, a transfer from Notre Dame, has been a really good shooter. Their best lineups have been when they've had R.J. Davis, Harrison Ingram, Cormac Ryan, and uh, a freshman named Elliot Cadeau um, uh, playing all together. Cadeau, by the way, has been he's been terrific. There was a stretch in time where uh, against Tennessee, best defense in college basketball, he had ten assists, no turnovers um, since. He, he had eight assists and eight turnovers in his first three games as a reclassified point guard. And since then, um, a run where North Carolina has gone four and one, their only loss was in overtime to Villanova. Uh, he's had 24 assists and just two turnovers, despite playing um, about uh, 28 minutes a game during that stretch. He's been really good. The one thing I will say about North Carolina is this. They are not a team that is going to be known for their defensive prowess. Um, they're not quite, uh, I would not say that they are a bad defensive team. Um, I don't think that they are a great defensive team. They certainly do not have the defensive weapons that Kansas does. Uh, if they try to switch against UConn, um, one through four, I think that that is something where UConn is going to be able to take advantage of those, those mismatches. Um, you know, if you put Cormac Ryan on Alex Caravan, he should be able to do something in that matchup. Um, if you end up with like a Harrison Ingram on Cam Spencer, that's something where I think Cam Spencer might be able to make make a play, make something happen. But uh, I think that this is a a, a good matchup for UConn. Uh, 
you don't have the pick and pop threat with Armando Baycott. This is something where if Donovan Klingon is going to uh, continue to prove my theory that what makes him so effective isn't necessarily what shows up in the box score, then we're going to look up at the end of the day and, and Armando Baycott will have like 10 points and seven rebounds or something like that, as opposed to, uh, you know, potentially having like 22 and, and 14, which is what he's done against a lot of other teams. I think that the, the key here is going to be one, keeping North Carolina out of transition. Right. Like that's what they do well. They get out and run the floor. This is the top five offense in the sport. And they are, they've been really effective this year at kind of spacing the floor and being able to use uh, four guards um, at the same time. Uh, they are shooting 36% from three on the season. They're taking a lot of threes this year. And that's kind of who they are and what they've built this team to be. Um, so I think that's going to be key. But it, it, look, they are a possession away from having. Four straight wins over Villanova, Arkansas, Tennessee, and Florida State. Uh, this is a good basketball team. This is a dangerous basketball team. This is a talented basketball team. Um, and I think that UConn matches up really well with them. I think at this point, we can say that either North Carolina or Clemson is the best team in the ACC. And I don't think either of those teams are good enough to get slotted into that, like, best team in college basketball tier. So if UConn is going to live up to some of this hype, this is a game that I think that they should win. Uh, they are projected right now as a four-point favorite on Kempom. As of this recording, there are no lines currently available for uh, what they um, – over at BetMGM, we don't have the lines yet, but I think UConn is favored. I would project them to win this game. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Uh, but to me, there's there's basically two keys here. The first is you got to someone's got to be able to stay in front of RJ Davis. He is a small, he is quick, he's athletic. I think you would probably put solo ball on him to start just because they run him, they do run him off of some screens. Um, I would probably have uh, Cam Spencer on Elliot Cadeau simply because I think that you know, he's not a shooter. You can play off him a little bit. I think Cam Spencer is a little bit of a better positional defender. Um, and then put Alex Caravan obviously on, on Harrison Ingram. But um, to me, the, the key is going to be slowing down R.J. Davis and Donovan Klingon win that matchup against Armando Baycott in the paint. But uh, it'll be a fun game. We are going to be live up there. Um, I'm going to be courtside. We're going to be doing a show after the game uh, from the Jimmy V Classic from Madison Square Garden for After Dark. So uh, I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be a good game. Um, and I think that UConn should be able to win. So we'll see what ends up happening there. I'll, I'll probably talk to you guys again uh, at some point on Wednesday or Thursday, just recapping that matchup. It'll be something short and sweet. Uh, maybe I'll get a uh, a North Carolina guy on to, to talk about it. We'll see. We'll see what happens there. But uh, I promise you this. I'm going to talk a lot of shit to Tyler Hansborough over the course of the next two days. Make sure that he knows who the best program in college basketball is and make sure that he is reminded UConn's got five titles. North Carolina's only got three right now. So um, without further ado, uh, let's uh, – Let's get into it. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do before, uh, before we go, I'm going to drop in some of the audio from the conversations that we had uh, on our live shows on after dark from FAU from the field of 68 tip off. Um, and we can go from there. So make sure you write review, subscribe, like do whatever you have to do. Make me happy as a podcaster. And if you're going to be at the garden tomorrow night, I'll see you there.